You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Christopher. How are you? I am uh, back in New York City. Actually, I'm not in New York at all. I'm in Connecticut. But I flew into uh, White Plains um, and uh, had my amazing experience on XO, uh, flying private for the first time. I mean, officially private. You know, I did my, I flew in the governor's jet. Um, I mean, it wasn't really private. It was like, I suppose it was, but it was the governor's jet flying from Campeche to uh, Cancun um, during a speaking engagement. And uh, and I guess I've also flown a little charter to the game reserve. But, I mean, this was the first time, like, flying instead of, I would say, commercial. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was it was a good experience. It's not something – I mean, for me, it's just not my life, right? It's not um, – I was, like, debating this as well with my wife. Like, I don't have uh, – let me find the uh, – um, the only the only uh, way to do this is I don't have f- you money, but if I had f- you money, um, then I would uh, maybe it would be different. And um, and and you know the 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 most amazing thing, and I'll just talk about this very quickly, is like everything is relative, right? 
You think you're rich, someone's richer than you. You think you're poor, someone's poorer than you. You think you're healthy, someone's healthier than you. You think you're sick, someone's sicker than you. It's just the way it is. So, you know, there's someone who flies commercial, right? The fact that you even talk about it. Someone flies commercial, they, you know, may be looking for like a last minute flight or uh, actually like let, let's let's go back to the, you know, someone who cannot even afford um, to fly uh, to fly is going to probably drive, and if they're going to, and if they're going to be driving, maybe they're not even going to be able to drive. They're going to, um, they're going to take the bus. They're going to take the Greyhound bus. Um, so you go from the bus to driving yourself. You got to have a car to be able to drive yourself. Once you're driving, uh, I mean, uh, maybe after driving is taking the train. After the train is is you know flying commercial um, and. You know, you may have not status. You're looking for the cheapest price. You're you're comparing last minute deals. You're sitting at the back of the aircraft in a middle seat. You don't have any status whatsoever. And then and then from there you kind of move on. And like I think to myself, okay, I I could fly down to Miami uh, on American Airlines. I can probably get a good rate. I mean, sometimes you can fly down for like sixty dollars, eighty dollars, ninety dollars. You definitely can do that with some of the other airlines. Um, like Spirit or Frontier, um, etc., and then you know you have like you you fly the basic bare bones economy where everything is additional. You want to even take a bag on the you know uh, on the flight with you. You got to pay. You want to check a bag. You got to pay. You want to um, assign your seat. You got to pay. And, and then you move like for me, it would be like flying American, and and I can use points, and I can you know I can pay. And guess what? chances are that I'm probably going to get an upgrade uh, because of my status. So I could be flying, getting a meal, getting, you know, the warm nuts, getting a hot towel, uh, all that sort of stuff. And, and and then you move to like this idea of of uh, flying private. Now, flying private can, can mean what I was doing was sharing a flight. I was sharing a flight. Um, uh, a typical ticket can cost anywhere between thirteen hundred dollars and three thousand, depending on availability. Uh, from what I've been seeing, um, and and you you know you and and you're sharing it with other people, um, and and the funny thing is, even within that flight, there are some people that are like, "Oh my God, it's my first time I'm ever doing this. One experience. Let me take photos of the plane. Let me go into the cockpit. Let me enjoy every moment." That that was me, right? And then there might be someone who's kind of downgrading, uh, and we'll talk about downgrading from what? Well, they're downgrading from the fact that they fly private, but they charter, so they'll 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 charter the entire um, aircraft. Um, and then from the the people that charter an entire flight are the people that have their own jet. And and then there's the people that have their own jet that you know, like if you've ever owned a boat, which I haven't. But I mean, you can you can have your beautiful boat that that kind of cost you an arm and a leg, and be completely dwarfed uh, by a factor of a hundred to one by one of these like monster you know monster kind of boats or whatever they're called. Um, and and so what you realize is it's like it's just it's just relative. It's just relative. So the person downgrading from chartering the flight, you know, to sharing the flight, or the person downgrading because they had to sell. There, um, maybe they were a principal at Silicon Valley Bank. Serves them right, you know. But, but maybe they, you know, maybe something happened to them financially, and now they've downgraded and they sold their jet. 
And so now they're sharing it with, you know, the uh, riffraff like myself. And I guess the point is, it's a very simple point, right? Which is when you stop comparing yourself to others and you just compare yourself to yourself and, uh, and you're not so hard on yourself and you're not like, I should be here, I'm not there, I could have been there, I was there at this age, um, you know, this is where I was shooting, but things, things happen, you know, I mean, shit happens, and, um, and things don't always work out the way you want it to, and sometimes they work out better, and sometimes they don't, and so for me, it was just like a really great perspective, you know, of arriving uh, back at White Plains, and uh, and just, you know, and everyone moves in and they go to the front and then there's like a, it's kind of like, um, like right at the front of the lodge. It's like a lodge. It's been done really beautifully, I have to say, compared to like, um, it, it's actually like connected to, I, I think it belongs to um, a company called, it's a brilliant name, Millionaire, right? Like, you know, like American Air, American Airlines, Millionaire, it's Millionaire. And um but like everyone comes in and all the bags are brought out to the very front and, and right there are like all the cars, right? All the car services are there and the, the limos and the private drivers and, and the valet, etc. And so everyone arrives and they go straight into their car to pick them up. And look, it's White Plains. So chances are they don't live in Manhattan. Chances are they live in Greenwich or, uh, you know, or New Canaan, or Darien, or even Westport. I mean, it's not like the longest drive. Um, and me, you know, you know, poor old me, I got my roll away, and I'm like walking into the parking lot. I didn't valet park. I just self-parked because it was free. Um, and, uh, and I went to my car, you know, all of three-minute walk, maybe not. All of maybe 60 to 80-second walk, you know, poor me. Like, it was the same thing like when I arrived um, in, in PBI, in West Palm Beach. Um, the portion, the, someone got into a Bentley and someone else got picked up in a portion and eventually my Nissan Altima gets brought, brought round, which was my rental car. Um, it's all relative. Uh, that is the name of the episode today, right? It's all relative. And, um, and I loved the trip. Thank you, XO. I loved it so much. I love... You know, I love the service. I love the convenience. Um, but what it did is it just gave me amazing perspective. Not that this was good. Not that this was bad. Not that this was happy. Not that this was sad. But it just was. It just is. And so sometimes, well, first of all, everything is relative. But the way to deal with that relat relativity is to actually not be referential. Let me try and say that one more time. Everything is relative, but the way to deal with that relativity is not to be referential. The only way to deal with it is to actually focus on yourself. And, and sure, you can compare. I mean, you can compare yourself to yourself, but even that is probably not a good idea. Because then again, it's like, I, I'm... I'm underperforming, I'm overperforming, I, 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 you know, I haven't made it, I'm a failure, I'm a this, I'm a, an imposter, and, and it can just be absolutely consuming. Why, why do it? Anyway, those were my thoughts just in terms of my flying experience. Um, let me talk a little bit about um, um, NFT Miami. 
first of all, um, it was my very first NFT event that I've ever been to. So it was kind of, um, you know, it was, it was, it was just um, like an amazing experience for me to like arrive and like, I didn't like, I mean, I bumped into Jeffrey Sass, who I know from before Clubhouse, but certainly from Clubhouse. And that was nice. And that was right at the beginning. It's amazing when you see a friendly face. Obviously, I saw people like Fanzo there. Um, I met Manushka, who, you know, does um, uh, Alpha Mondays with uh, Shira Lazar and Fanzo. Um, and, and, but I didn't know a lot of people. I bumped into actually an old client from HMS Beagle days, which was kind of cool. Um, I, I saw Sandy Carter from Unstoppable Domains. I wanted to meet her. Um, met the um, uh, the CMO of EXO, who was there as well, um, and uh, made a few new contacts. Um, but I didn't really know people. And, and you know, the funny thing there was, like, the co-founder of Ethereum was there. I mean, the co-founder of Ethereum with Vitalik. I didn't realize that there were other people. And, um, you know, the... the uh, can't even remember his name, but the guy uh, behind Goblin Town um, and and uh, Pudgy Penguins and World of Women, they were all there. But honestly, I would not have been able to identify them in a line-out uh, or line-up, I should say, um, even after they were on stage. Like, they could have been, you know, I mean... Like Luca Nets is, I just remember his name because it sounds like a like a football player. He's the founder of Pudgy Penguins. Like even after he was on stage, he could have been in the cubicle peeing next to me and I wouldn't have known him from Adam. And that's like mainly because like most of these, you know, people dress like they're uh, degenerates, hence degens. You know, no one's dressing up. No one's actually... Which, which I think is a shame, it's a pity, that no one's actually putting pride in what they wear. And it's such an important thing to do. And um, so it's like a, it's kind of crazy, it's nice. I, I like it, I like the anonymity. I like the fact that, you know, and, and you know, there were, there were a bunch of like pretty high profile people there, like uh, Anthony Scaramucci and um, uh, Baron Davis and Wycliffe Jean and Timberland um, and, you know, Swansit was there, you know, interviewing them, but she probably just, you know, breezed in and breezed out. And, and, and that's another thing as well. Like, like when you come to these events and you, you expect, I mean, I, I'm certainly not comparing Swansit to Timberland, although she interviewed him. So, you know, good for her. But sometimes, like, it's probably not a great feeling to arrive at an event and want people to identify you is what I'm saying, you know, and like, and, and at the same time, so it's like, it's, it must be a weird feeling to be at an event and no one knows who you are, but you think you're someone. And it must be an amazing feeling to arrive at an event where you are someone and no one knows who you are. I mean, that's essentially what it is to be doxxed in many respects. Um, and not doxxed, I mean. So like, you know, this guy who, who's, who's behind um, uh, Goblin Town. I mean, that's one of the most successful launches and apparently they're, they're crushing it at the moment. And, you know, and, and honestly, like, I don't even remember his name. Um, and I, and I, I like that. I like that about this Web3 space. 
Um, but I also like the fact that there are a new set of heroes. There are a new set of leaders as well. There is a new uh, balance of power. And I think that's kind of awesome too. And and if I was a DJ, and I probably would feel that way about um, you know these these high profile. I probably I think his name is like Anthony D Diorio. I think that's his name, the co-founder of of Ethereum. Um, I think it's like I'm sure that that he does walk into an event like NFT Miami, and half the people know exactly who he is. I don't. Um, but then again, he could walk into the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers, and no one would know who he is. Um, and so that's another interesting kind of observation, right? Which is, which is everyone's famous in their own circle or in their own world or in their own industry or, or even in their own family. Um, and what is fame at the end of the day? Um, so I kind of like, this was my like feeling of, of, um, you know, Slick was saying, I enjoy going to events incognito. I mean, yeah, that, that is the essence of it, of being incognito, uh, being undoxed. Um, and in many respects, you know, I was kind of like undoxed at this event. No one knew who I was. I was probably one of the uh, older people. You can see it from my like white beard or gray beard, uh, whatever it is. And um, And also I'm not you know, this is not my industry like, you know, like I was born in this industry or I've made a name for myself in this industry. So I'm also the person going, walking around proving myself or having to prove myself. Um, and I'm okay with that. In fact, I, I think that's amazing. Um, now, in terms, of, um, in terms of just feeling at the event, look, I wasn't there last year. But apparently, like, they had, like, the entire, like, warehouse, the entire kind of conference event. And you could see it because, like, when you came into this event, um, there was, like, a little speaker lounge, and then there was a little curtain at the back of the speaker lounge. Somehow, I managed to go from being a friend uh, to uh, to an apton to a speaker. I got all three passes in the end. I got upgraded. Um but at the back, there was a little curtain, and you could see like a like what seemed like a warehouse, maybe twice the size of the entire space that was actually being used. So imagine last year was three times the physical space, and there were apparently like I don't know four thousand people, and it felt like at this event there were probably four hundred or five hundred or six hundred. I mean, all the main stage events, um, it just it, it it was kind of like my initial thought was it's sad. It was sad, like, you know, Sammy, Sammy Ariega or Ariega started performing. It was nine in the morning on, on Friday morning, and there must have been, I don't know, 35 people there, 40 people, maybe 50. But it was, like, not a big space, and still it was just empty. Um, and, and, like, you would have been forgiven if your feeling was, like, this is sad, this is pathetic, this, is, this industry's dead, you know, this is kind of like... Um, and and you might be right, but also, you know, and then there were people like who maybe that spun it a little bit saying, you know, you're the people that showed up, you're the builders, you're the, you know, the people that are here are here for the right reasons. I, I don't think any of that is untrue. Um, I think it's all true. Um, and, um, but it was a very, very different, different vibe. Look, there were a ton of like Lambos and, 
you know, and, and, and exhibitors there and a few, you know, uh, people did show up, you know, and, and sponsored it, but it was a fraction of what it's been in the past. There's no question. We all know that we're sitting in crypto winter. We all know it's a bear market. We all know um, a lot of people that were there were locals. A lot of people probably couldn't even afford to fly down there um, as well. And um, and so, like, I think on one hand, like, I would, I, would de- I, would, I would describe it three ways. The first is there's no question that, I mean, it's like you can't put lipstick on a pig here. Like, the, like we've, we, the industry, the Web3 space, the NFT space has been kind of decimated to a degree um, by, by economic conditions. Um, there was a great presentation. Um, I'll try and upload some of the slides, um, but it actually like was a really, I'll, I'll try and do it while I'm talking, but like just, it was like an initial kind of lay of the land. Um, and it was really interesting just to see kind of things like, um, like volume, um, of, I'm going to, let me upload all of these for you because it's kind of cool to see. Um, some of these slides, and maybe I can reference them for you. I mean, you know, but by the way, just not to go on, on too much of a, of a tangent, but I think this is also one of the advantages, what I realized of, you know, where Alpha Collective will play a role, um, which is being able to be at these events and then come and share the highlights of the events with members. Maybe not in the Collective Cafe, um, but maybe just with members. So I just, I kind of liked, I liked that idea uh, for the most part, of being able to come and do some kind of a debrief. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and, and post all of these slides for you, and um, and then maybe we can we can talk about um, a few of them, and then I'll talk about some of my highlights. Yeah, you get to you get to have everything of mine. I'm going to share it with you, um, and there's a lot of stuff which I can do um, over the course of the next. Um, so one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to share everything with you. Um, hold on. Um, his name's Lynn Dye. I'll even give you his contact details if you want to contact him. Hold on. Oh, you can only uh, upload 10 files at a time. Boo. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and upload that for you. People that are listening right now on the podcast... Uh, and I know people are starting to subscribe. Um, this is just one of those typical moments where, you know, we, we we share things like, and you can go and access all of these. So these are eight, nine, ten. Okay, so these are the ten. So all of those are, are uploading right now. But, you know, I, I, liked, I liked the stuff because, again, it's all about perspective um, at, and the perspective that we need is what will take us and move us forward. It is the perspective that, you know, deja vu all over again. Have we been here before? You know, is this new? Is this uncharted territory? Um, is this unprecedented? Because if not, then we can learn from who has come before and what has come before. So have a look at some of the slides I mean, you'll see this, um, one is a, a sense of like um, the NFT marketplace, which is interesting to be able to see that growth. Um, let me see what else I've uploaded for you. Um, in some cases, I don't even remember what, what, I, actually, <laughs> what I actually uploaded. 
Um, um, the one thing I loved is this idea of the wallet. Web Zero, which is actually like a physical leather wallet. Web One is a, a credit card. Web Two um, is, you know, your your phone. Um, and now Web Three is a ledger. A brilliant, brilliant concept. Um, it's just such a nice image. Um, what I thought was really interesting was you'll see a few slides that talk about enterprise internet adoption, right? And then you'll see enterprise social media adoption. Um, and so one of the things that, that, that was very interesting, if you look at the enterprise internet adoption, um, what that is showing you is how um, Fortune 500 companies lagged consumers, they, the, you know, and, and I've told the story many times, right? You know, with the dot-com boom and bust, um, which to me is very, uh, enterprise internet adoption is going to be very, very similar to Web3. Uh, you, can, you can take this one to the bank. Um, now, enterprise social media adoption, the story there is that, you know, these companies kind of, jumped, you know, they kind of didn't want to make the same mistake that they made with Web 1.0, uh, uh, with, yeah, with Web 1.0, but also because the actual companies that were leading this were the Facebooks and the, and eventually the Googles, the YouTubes, the Twitters, um, and they were essentially offering the enterprises reach. They were offering them um, a familiar solution. And so... Because of that, there was this land grab. It started a little bit slower. You know, it started a little bit slower. Um, but then you see the hockey stick growth. And, and, and what you're actually seeing there, which is amazing, is these companies almost outspent and overspent um, consumers. Um, so if you're, like, actually following, following along, um, what you'll actually see is is that they were kind of like ahead of them, putting up big elaborate Facebook pages and putting together big um, campaigns, um, etc. And um, and I I think that now when we when we look at Web three, um, we're going to see something very different. We're going to see something more close to enterprise internet adoption than enterprise social media adoption. So I just wanted to you know, share that as well. Um, and just uh, also like this idea of if you look at the slides that say enterprises need better tools, better use cases. Um, and and I like that little summary chart that actually shows Web3 use cases, right? Smart contracts, securities, digital currencies, and fraud reduction, record keeping. Um, so just just like one sense of some of those use cases, um, et cetera. So anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted to share with you that initial, uh, that initial, um, um, uh, slide or selection. Bez says, did they talk about AI at NFT Miami all the time? Um, there was a lot of, um, AI. Actually, what I thought I would do today is just take you through my notes. Um, cause I wanted to give you, first of all, the, the kind of the high level overview, right? Which is, you know, you sense that, like my my sense is that next year is going to be next year is going to be very different to this year. This this was the low. This was the this is the bottom. Next year is going to be maybe not as exuberant at the top, but it's going to be somewhere between the top and the bottom. So you you sense that we're coming back. 
Um, Fanzo also said this, and I think it's a very um, uh, astute point, that there's a lot of building going on. And, and so I'm just going to share with you some of these sound bites and some of these points that I, that I jotted down on my Kindle scribe. Look, it was a little painful for me, <laughs> like, you know, because I'm like, I don't love sitting and taking notes, um, but I knew I had to. And so, you know, I try to, I've, I, I didn't take too much, um, but, but these are just some of my thoughts. And I'll work you, walk you through my notes and then maybe comment on them as well. So, um, you know, like initially, and again, like as I, as I was saying to you, I mean, there was like, um, you know, people like Zach Br- um, Brutch, Brutch, who's like the head of um, Recur, um, and like there were a lot of in- interesting people there, right? I mean, this woman, Sally Gian, who's at SAP. Um, so there were people there, but you just sometimes don't know where to look or who, do, or who they are. Um, so... Okay, so what what did I, what did I note? Um, I said um, um, in California, apparently you can now get your marriage uh, certificate on the blockchain, which I thought was uh, was very very interesting. Um, to me, the 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 quote that almost made this whole thing worthwhile um, was right at the beginning, and it was this: "It feels like we're late to a party that hasn't started already." Love that. That that's the summary. That is exactly, you know, what you should take away from not just NFT Miami, but this whole experience. Because there is a general level of anxiety that we have all the time. I mean, some might have it more than others, um, but it's this idea of have I missed the boat? Am I too late? You know, um, you know, did I like it's all about timing. It's always been all about timing. But it feels like we're late. That's the anxiety to a party that hasn't started already, meaning we're still early. So if you can take away that anxiety and harness or transform that energy or that anxiety into productivity, into hard work, into perseverance, into perspiration, into building, into the long game, I think you're going to do well. And that to me um, is the big takeaway. That is the big, big takeaway. This idea of, of we all say we're early, we're early, we're early, we're early. We've all heard that quote, but no one has spoken about the anxiety. So let me, let me uh, walk through a few more different things. Um, you know, someone was talking about, uh, his name's Alex Taub, T-A-U-B. He's the Goblin Town, um, the, the kind of guy behind Goblin Town, one of them, and he's like head of a company called Upstream. Um, this was a great, uh, great panel. Sh- Shannon Snow, who's World of Women, Luca Nets, who's Pudgy Penguins. Um, and, and what Alex was saying was, um, which I thought was interesting, is he spoke about, they, they spoke about a lot of the things that didn't work or worked before, Glory farming. Um, another quote of every project is a public company from the start. So this idea of um, there was a, a lot of interesting conversation about um, evolution of projects and how to how to deal with those members that were there from the start um, and how to move with them, which I thought was interesting. Um, in fact, uh, Luca was saying 
that the two key points takeaways were mental toughness, that we meet a mental toughness, and also how to balance, how to find the balance between the best interest of the community versus the business. Um, and that that's, you know, a critical, critical component, right? What do you do that's best for the project? What do you do that's best for the community? And oftentimes, the two are at odds. And, and how do you deal with that? And honestly, you know, the... The answer of how, I mean, is is less important than the what and the why. Well, the why is easy. <clears throat> the why is if there is no, if no one's paying the bills, the lights are going to switch, be switched off and you're going to be evicted out of the clubhouse, right? So we get the why. The why is you need cash flow. The, the why is you need financial stability and health. You need to pay your people, Um the what is find the balance between the best interest of your community and the business. The how, to me, is the easiest part. The how is um, a combination of um, communication early and often, transparency, honesty, integrity. Um, it's it's the ability to keep them, you know, keep them in the loop, um, and and find again the right balance between too much and too little, too soon and too late, right? That's also not. And then the other one is just people skills, right? You know, being not being an arsehole, I mean, to put it bluntly. And, you know, and to ask for help, to demonstrate the vulnerability as opposed to um, the insecurity. Um, all of those things, I think, um, are um, important, um, all right, so I'll move on to um, Scaramucci, and I wrote down this quote from him. Um, he said, it's not a fractional banking system. It's a fragile fractional banking system. Um, and I also added the word incentralized. So, you know, he was basically referring, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a pity that, um, or maybe it just came right after him, but Elizabeth Warren just coming out now and this whole war on crypto um, she was actually um, interviewed on Meet the Press on Sunday. And I guess, you know, he spoke on Saturday, the mooch. Um, I, re- I retweeted it, actually, um, if you want to see on, my, on, on Twitter. Um, but it's quite, it, it, you know, he spoke about ignorance. But it is an ignorance. I think she knows full well what she's saying and why she's saying it. She's basically saying trust in the government. The government is going to save you. The government is going to protect you. The government, you know, she's talking about that everything needs to be backed by uh, something solid, you know, what was once gold, um, the Federal Reserve government. Um, And, you know, like, it's very weird because I'm definitely, you know, not a conservative. Um, I'm not even necessarily fiscally conservative, Um, but I am a capitalist and I just, I, you know, I just see right through her. I've got to be honest. You know, trust in the government. And she's like, the government will protect you. I'm like, like, and like what's going on with the banking sector? I don't think so. Um, and you just don't really understand the power of crypto and the power of Bit- Bitcoin um, in terms of what it's bringing to the table. And so um, I kind of liked how his perspective was that it's not a fractional banking system it's a fragile fractional banking system um now the next baron davis uh i thought was brilliant um ex uh 
NBA um, legend, all-star, um, just started a new business um, called Slick. I think it's called Slick, ironically. Hey, how about that, Slick? I think it's called Slick. Uh, S-L-I-C, don't sue them. Uh, that's really just all about rights um, and, and using NFTs and using blockchain to help people who take photographs be able to sell and license and monetize their photography. And this, you know, comes from his background and business, you know, being a, foot, uh, a footballer, being a basketball, um, a basketballer, an athlete, um, and having people take pictures of him, different, you know, recognizing like when LeBron set the record now that there were thousands of these photographers with their own phones. What can you do about it? Um, and I'll just read to you some of the quotes because I think he got just amazing quotes here. Uh, Blockchain is the perfect platform to create a foundational culture. I loved how he connected blockchain to culture. Um, you can't have success without collaboration. That's another quote. Um, and uh, this this idea of somebody gets hot, they get bought. And then they have to fight their way back to relevance, cultural relevance, relevance uh, cultural relevance. So also this idea of what happens when you get big, when you become famous, when you, when you scale, um, what you sacrifice, when you sell out, when you commercialize. Um, and ultimately what the goal here is, the goal is to always is to stay relevant. Um, I got my MBA from the NBA. It's another quote I liked. Um, and then the third one, the last one was communities build communities. Kind of like that idea too. He also spoke about himself living at the intersection between connection, creativity, and community. So these were good sound bites for me. Um, all right, so um, R- Rahul Sood uh, from um, I- Irrelevant, uh, Irreverent Labs. Irreverent, not irrelevant. <laughs> oh. um, I, think, I think Rahul was the guy who actually said uh, – or maybe it was earlier, it was someone earlier who said engage to earn is relatively Ponzi. Um, maybe we come back to that a little bit later because it's a little closer to home, I know. Um, and I tweeted that. Uh, but what I thought was was very interesting was this idea that, you know, we are still operating in a time now um, where um, people are trying to figure out what the business model is. And, and you know, my, my perspective, of course, is shared values, shared ownership, shared rewards. But there's still too, there's still too much imbalance. And, and I'll just say, like, the, the concept of Ponzi, as I'm learning about it, is really, um, I saw a phenomenal, um, I'm going to show it to you now, and... Uh, and I think this is, I mean, it's kind of scary stuff, but it's, it's, we got like, just accept it. Um, so I'm going to show you, um, let me find that now. I'm going to post it in our chat. All right. So, and then I'll just make some, uh, just, uh, some, just see some of your additional points. Uh, Slick says, this year feels like a connection year. People getting plugged in, understanding more, and seeing the potential. My wife, who works in daycare, was asking me if I've heard about ChatGPT and the capabilities. 
that anti-crypto army campaign is going to be a test to see how the public views crypto. Yeah, um, listen, Victor Hugo said there's nothing as powerful as an idea whose time has come. This is a powerful idea. It's a hugely powerful idea. You cannot kill something like this. You just can't. Um, Shadows Pub says they're terrified that people will shift into crypto with their banking system being rocky. This is why the war on crypto. Yeah, totally. So I have a look at what I just posted here. Uh, this is from our friends from the SEC. And it says, uh, panel D of table two shows the frequency of different allegations made by the SEC when seeking legal action to shut down a Ponzi scheme. The most frequent allegations concern misrepresentation of investment strategy, all right, um, misappropriation of funds, and fraudulent high returns. Falsified loan documents and asset values are presented in a majority of cases, but relatively few involve falsely audited financial statements. You know, what what you actually have to kind of realize um, is there are a couple of points. The first point is this idea of, um, you know, being thought of as a security and being able to make gains, G-A-I-N-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z. Um, the second point is how they're being positioned and, and how they're being uh, sold in and sold through. And, and, and what has become kind of interesting is that, I mean, by the way, the context of um, engage to earn is inherently ponge, uh, Ponzi is very much connected to a lot of these, you know, to the game. I mean, it was in context of gaming, actually, um, and being able to, you know, earn points and earn gems and, and, and you know, you've got to be very, very careful. And I think one of the things that I realized doing a little bit of reading and commenting and stuff like that is that the minute that the, like, for, for Ponzi, and if you think about Ponzi and Pyramid, um, as I'm learning, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too, they are uh, Pyramid in the sense that the person that gets in early gains the most, and the person that gets out early gains the most, and that is true of the space. Um, in addition, the only way to keep, keep the thing moving and growing and alive and fresh is to keep feeding it with fresh money. The minute that that dries up, the whole thing just goes to hell in a handbasket. And I think that is, um, that is the challenge here. The challenge is whether um, you constantly keep needing to feed the engine in order for it to work. Um, and so... So many of these instances are, you know, keep earning, keep earning, keep earning, keep spending, keep spending, keep spending. Um, token, 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 issue the token, buy and sell, buy and sell, list, list, list. And it's part of this, of a financial um, ecosystem that that needs and will have to be eventually regulated. And I think that's what's coming out of this as well. Most people are... are are ready for it, in fact, are asking for that form of regulation, that clarity. And I think that's the key word here, clarity. Just tell us what the rules are and we'll play by them within reason. Um, they can't be old rules, they can't be broken rules, and they can't necessarily be your rules. They should be rules that are fair and balanced and unbiased, which which is hard 
because that's part of the problem here, which is everyone has an agenda and everyone comes with their agenda. But ultimately, there are some universal rules and perspectives, like disclosure, for example, that I think um, should change and shouldn't change. Again, it comes back to my two-by-two matrix, right, which is which is let's keep the best of the old, let's lose the worst of the old, let's embrace the best of the new, and let's reject the worst of the new. So going back to a few more of my points, um, um, in a panel on AI, um, there were a few things that just I had to jot down before I forgot them. Uh, one basically said, um, soon, we, soon we will be seeing movies being made with dead actors. And I mean, if you haven't thought about that before, that's like a wild thought. Like literally dead actors through will be able to be cast, cast, and will have lines and will be able to deep fake their way through an entire movie um, and probably compensated too, like their states as well. So that's insane. The other one is that kids will be making their own Avengers movies. Um, so they'll be actually like just, Kids will be like creating their own movies, their own plot lines, their own storylines with their own uh, sets of actors. I thought that that was kind of insane too. Um, I, I I think there's someone called Arturo Intelligente or something like that, but there's apparently like like they were talking about an AI candidate for mayor. That there already is apparently an AI candidate um, for mayor of uh, for Miami. I wasn't sure about that, but that was like bizarre. Um, then Timberland came on stage, and I thought his insights were amazing. Um, I think I posted a video. I might post a few more. Uh, but for me, I just loved his insights on on comparing Web3 to .com um, and, you know, this idea of, of um, the, inevitability, the inevitability of change and technology. I just thought that those points were just unbelievable. And it was coming from Timberland, of all people. You know, so I love seeing these, you know, these musicians, these artists, these athletes. They're the ones that are kind of like leading the charge. It's not necessarily business, businesses or business people. Why? Because probably businesses and business people are the, you know, just looking at the money, 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 as opposed to the artists that are looking for community and connection and relevance. Um, and, I, and I think like, like, just remember today, like this this whole concept um, of this idea of um, of um, you know the balance between business and community, the balance between cultural relevance and financial you know um, uh, return, um, and um, it's it's an interesting time. Now, I, I want to tell you that I'm going to post uh, a couple more. Um, there was this guy, I don't have his book in front of me now, apparently, because, well, I just say apparently, I don't have his book because it's in my briefcase and I can't get to it, uh, but I bought his book because it's a book, it's like 800 pages. This guy is an absolute, you know, genius. Like, it's just obvious. It was clear. It was obvious. Uh, his name is Yu Kai Chow. Um, I'm going to post just a few of his slides because um, you need to, like, I'll post, because just this guy was just, I mean, this is this is why you want to show up at uh, at the Collective Cafe. 
So just look at this. I mean, this stuff is like gold, Jerry, gold, gold, gold. Um, his stuff um, on, you know, gaming mechanisms and drivers. The one thing that I thought was so amazing, I mean, look at his model. His model is just insane. Um, and you can see, like, I mean, his uh, his work has empowered over a billion. He's going to come on the show um, and... I want to show you. So he's talking about right brain core drives and left brain core drives and then white hat versus black hat core drives. Um, And he really just managed to summarize the entire um, NFT space, like in a nutshell, and, and where it's come from, where it's heading. So if you look at black hat core drives, that slide... Uh, good for creating a sense of urgency and short-term user engagement and making the users feel proactive and focused. Look at those three things, avoidance, unpredictability, and scarcity. And he basically summed up the entire NFT space. You know, white lists and only a 10,000 and, um, and the whole Easter egg and you don't know what you're going to get and the reveal and everything was based on these black hat core drives. And I'm, um, you know, assuming he did not just create them for the NFT space. I mean, these things exist. Whereas, of course, these white, these these white hat core drives are accomplishment, empowerment, and meaning. Um, and so, like, um, I bought his book, and the story that I want to share with you is that I paid him in crypto. For me, it was just unbelievable. He said it's uh, twenty bucks. I said, how, how, how can I pay you? And he said, well, you can pay me in cash or crypto. I said, can I pay you in crypto? I said, I can pay you from my MetaMask. He said, great. And he opened up his MetaMask and you know showed the QR code. And I just scanned the QR code from MetaMask and paid him 0.01 or whatever it was, ETH. And the transaction went through. And I was like, this is the first time that I've actually paid someone um, IRL in crypto and and it it went through immediately it was like transaction approved check mark and and the money was in his account and when you see something like that uh you know elizabeth warren you might want to rethink some of your thoughts here um how perfect it was direct there weren't fees there weren't um you know lag um it was all verified on the blockchain um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful, slick um, operation. And now I have this book um, with, you know, signed by him. And it was also just a great, um, like, recognition of IRL back into this world of Web3. Because up until now, we've all been focused on the other way. We've all been focused on Web3, maybe to IRL, or just Web3 to Web3. And for me, um, this was just a beautiful demonstration of, of that wallet, right? From the, the, you know, the, the tattered and worn leather wallet to the credit card, uh, to the Apple Pay, um, and now to a ledger type of wallet um, from... And ironically, you know, uh, just like the, you know, the, the funny thing, of course, is the leather wallet um, was decentralized or at least, you know, analog, disconnected. 
um, but could be stolen or lost, right? And now the Web3 wallet um, can't really be, st- well, it can be stolen through, through a scam, right? Um, and it can be lost if you lose your seed phrase. Um, but if you keep that seed phrase handy and don't lose it or get scammed in that regard, um, it'd be interesting to think about things like security. And I'm not really sure um, that that Web3 is um, like significantly better on all counts, right, than, than Apple Pay. I don't know if people getting scammed through Apple Pay before. Um, and but it's still connected to that that um, you know that uh, that credit card or that digital credit card. So I don't know. Just some interesting thoughts. Well, look, we've got about five minutes left today. Um, if anyone wants to jump up or ask any questions, um, I'll try and share a few more like video clips um, with you. The Timberland quotes were just amazing. Um, I felt very motivated, you know, I felt motivated. I actually had a few thoughts in that first day in particular, um, you know, in terms of reminding me that that uh, I'm on the right track with Alpha Collective, um, that Alpha Collective can become that place to help the big brands on board uh, because it, nothing like that exists. Um, that Alpha Collective can also be um, a place for talent. In fact, I think I was saying this to, we were chatting, we had this amazing conversation the Friday morning on the way to the event um, from a talent standpoint that um, we can find and establish um, a, a place, a space um, for people to, you know, going back to what Baron Davis was saying, he spoke about connection, community and creativity. Um, I don't think that that's far off. From, from the collective, another C, um, and related to that collective are things like commerce, which is how do we monetize and make money. Um, so a lot of interesting things. The, um, the code for today uh, is FREN, uh, F-R-E-N, because you are my friends. And uh, I don't normally use the, you know, I'll, I'll GM. Um, occasionally I'll use FREN, um, I, I'm not an MFer, and I don't like the MFer language, so I won't use that. Uh, but today, you're definitely GM friend, and F R E N is your code uh, for today. Um, Shadows Pub says anyone who doesn't pay attention to what they're clicking on or doing, they can get scammed through any system. Yeah, in fact, I'll tell you what happened to me. What happened to me is I went with my son for brunch yesterday in the morning, and we got to like park. And um, there was a, um, you know, one of those kind of like park, you know, where you like, uh, what do you call a paper park type of system? And so I, look, I don't know why they do this. It, it, it actually drives me crazy. So I look on, on, on the board, it's called pay by phone. And the image is like nine squares, like kind of rounded, but you know, like squares with little round, like not hard, hard squares, but rounded squares. Um, a grid of three by three. It's called pay, pay by phone. Ironically, I've actually downloaded the damn app before um, when I've been in Miami and used it before. So I look up at the, you know, at the board and it says use code whatever, 40404, which is the parking area. And I'm like, well, 
but what is the service? Like, what is the app? Why is there not a QR code to download the app or to tell me what the app is? And I can't find it. Um, and as I said, ironically, I actually had it already. Um, and so what do I do? I go to Google and I type, you know, pay per phone or pay by phone. And I see the logo pops up and I click on the logo and it says start activation. And I click on start activation. I put in my credit card details and everything. And then it says, you know, like not processed or whatever. I'm like, oh, the thing didn't go through. And suddenly I realize like, you know, like I'm now like at some weird website about downloading movies or or streams. And I think, and I say to myself, I think I just got scammed. This morning, there were a couple of interesting Uber charges. I'm about to call Amex now and see if, in fact, that's what happened. But you're totally right. Anyone can get scammed um, anywhere. And it's not Web 3. It's Web 2. It's Web 1. In fact, um, Roberto Blake said this brilliantly in After Hours Entrepreneur, um, who I met, by the way, which is awesome. Um, So... That was also another highlight for me. Um, I think his name is Mark. Um, So I met him and we're going to try and and maybe, you know, do each other's shows as well. Um, And he spoke about it. He spoke about how all these, you know, generally older individuals um, are getting scammed via direct mail, direct marketing, telemarketing, etc. to the tune of like, 100x compared to what's been happening in Web3. So that point is absolutely valid and taken. Um, I want to just kind of, um, you know, just end today by kind of saying like, this is this is a great time for us to be here because we are here. We, you know, we show up, whether it's at the Collective Cafe, whether it's at a conference um, and realizing that that we are building um, and, and, you know, we are, we're feeling this anxiety. We shouldn't, um, we should just feel very, very confident that we are where we are meant to be in the right place at the right time. Um, hopefully with the right people doing the right things to get the right results. Um, and, you know, Slow and steady will win the race, um, which, by the way, hasn't even started yet. Um, so, you know, limber up, keep training, uh, don't pull a hamstring, pace yourself, um, and hopefully we can all do this together, helping one another um, and winning together. So I will see you uh, tomorrow, uh, bright and early at 8 a.m., just a quick note that uh, I will most likely not be, I'm still not sure, but Thursday and Friday are holidays, Jewish holidays. So I may be missing Thursday and Friday. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, I know that uh, you'll be in the safe and capable hands of uh, leader bears and anyone else that wants to uh, join in. So see you guys soon. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.